You are listening to audio from Creekside Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside, find out about our services and upcoming events, or listen to other sermons, please visit creeksidecommunity.org. In 1884, Charles Eliot, who was president of Harvard University, met with a grieving couple who wanted to establish a memorial for their recently deceased son. Perhaps a scholarship, suggested President Eliot. The wife said, no, we were thinking of something larger, maybe like a building. Well, as President Eliot looked at this very unpretentious, ordinary couple, he thought they had no idea what they were asking for. So he thanked them for thinking of Harvard, but suggested that maybe they go elsewhere to establish this memorial. He found out a year later they had. They had uh, taken 26 million dollars, which would be the equivalent of about a billion dollars today, and established uh, a memorial for their, their son. You may have heard of it, the Leland Stanford Junior University, or Stanford Junior College, as they call it at Cal. But <laughs> if President Elliot had not gone with his first impressions, but have asked a few questions, he might have saved Cal fans decades of pain. <laughs> All that to say that often extraordinary people come in very ordinary looking packages. And that is certainly the case of our second teacher in the School of Faith. In the book of Hebrews, the, the writer is trying to convince Jewish Christians to leave the visible signs of the Messiah, the temple, the sacrifices, the priesthood, and step by faith into the reality of what Christ has brought us. And now in chapter 11, he wants to show them that all of their heroes in the Old Testament all had to walk by faith just like we do. And so we're spending time in Hebrews chapter 11. We're looking at each person as a different professor for us to teach us something new about faith. Uh, last week we looked at Abel. Today we're going to look at Enoch. Enoch appears in Genesis 5. Genesis 5 covers the first thousand years between Adam and Noah. And yet, even though it's a thousand years, only three people are given any space. Cain and Abel, which we, we learned uh, about last week, and then Enoch, who lived seven generations after Adam. And uh, uh, the, the amazing thing about Enoch is that he never suffered death. That when he fulfilled God's role for him on earth, God just took him directly to heaven. That's a remarkable thing, because Abraham died, Isaac died, Jacob died, all the patriarchs died, Moses died, David died, all the kings died, all the prophets died, all the apostles died. In fact, there's only one other person in the Bible who never died physically. Anybody know who it was? Apparently you don't. Because... <laughs> I think I heard Elijah. Elijah, the great prophet of God, 
stand, stood virtually alone against Israel who was worshiping Baal. And uh, he's one of the giants of the faith in the age of spiritual pygmies. He, uh, uh, God displayed his miracles more through Elijah than through any other prophet with the exception of Moses. He, uh, he appears with Moses and Jesus on the Mount Transfiguration. Uh, he is uh, said to be coming back before Jesus. Um, Elijah is, is one of the heavyweights. And so you'd think that when we read about Enoch, we would see the same type of man, don't you? The other, only other man who, who didn't have to die, but pleased God so much that God took him directly to heaven. We, we kind of expect to see the same miracles and courage and battles. And so let's read what we know about Enoch from Genesis 5. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah, who eventually became the longest living man. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. I don't know about you, but I am impressed with what it doesn't say. No battles, no miracles, no conflicts. Enoch lives a very ordinary life. Very ordinary, just like us. And yet, out of all the people in the Old Testament, the writer of Hebrews chooses Enoch as the example of what pleases God. Let's look at what he says about Hebrew, Enoch in Hebrews 11. By faith... Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Out of all the characters of the Old Testament, the writer of Hebrews chooses Enoch as an example of what pleases God. So putting Genesis 5 and Hebrews 11, I want to talk about three things this morning about pleasing God. Three things we learn about Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God by faith. And Enoch walked with God by faith for a long time. And uh, while you may never be a Moses or Elijah or Martin Luther, or you can be an Enoch. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will open our eyes to the Scriptures. We know we can't learn a thing unless your Spirit teaches us. Thank you that you've given us the Spirit that we might freely know the things of God. And we pray you'll be our teacher. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing we learn about Enoch from chapter 5 of Genesis is that Enoch walked with God. It says it twice, doesn't it? And whenever the Bible says something twice, God is saying, pay attention. Now hear this. This is important. We don't know anything else about Enoch, but apparently he lived a very ordinary life. Went to work every day, raised a family, was part of his community. We don't know. But apparently we don't need to know. 
Because all we need to know is that Enoch walked with God. When we think about the people in the Old Testament, the great heroes, we focus on what they did, right? Moses leads God's people out of slavery with ten plagues and then through the wilderness with all these miracles. And, and Joshua leads God's people to take over the promised land with all these miracles, defeating nations who are greater and mightier than they are. And, and uh, David faces down Goliath when he's a little guy. We look, and so if, if the writer of Hebrews had chosen any one of those people as an example of a man who pleased God, we wouldn't think anything about it, would we? But when we, we, he picks a man, and all we know about him is that he walked with God. What does that tell you? What pleases God? God cares more about our friendship, about our companionship, about our daily walk with him than he does about our accomplishments. One of the things that has surprised me, having adult children now, is how good of friends they become. And, and I would rather spend time with Jenny and Jeff than anybody else in the world, except for, except for Lori. And that came as a surprise because that's not the relationship I had with my parents. My parents were old school. And, and what they cared about is what I could accomplish, what I could accomplish around the house or at our grocery store or the grades I got. And as long as I accomplished the things that they want me to accomplish, we didn't have much of a relationship. They didn't ask me any questions about me. They certainly didn't share anything about themselves. They were great parents. But the message I got all the time growing up was it's what you accomplish that counts. And I brought that into my relationship with God, and I thought that God wanted to use me, that he wasn't that interested in knowing me. And, and here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that I can preach sermons, I can prepare Bible studies, I can lead groups, I can organize and manage, and I can do all those things without walking with God. And, and th that's why so many servants of God are so hard to be around. Because we're just doing it in the energy of our own strength. But what God really cares about is his relationship with me. He wants to know me. He wants to have an intimate walk with me. And if you're not enjoying God, it's because he's not that important to you, because he wants. Now, now it would seem that if all this joy and pleasure and power and wisdom are available to us, if we would just get close to God day by day by day, we would all be flocking to him. But we don't, do we? There's always a way to avoid God. It's a lot easier to serve him than to seek him, isn't it? I, I think of going to God kind of like going to the doctor. How many of you like going to the doctor? I see those hands. <laughs> I hate going to the doctor. Because first of all, it takes time, and it's inconvenient, and my blood pressure always goes up 10 points when I go to the doctor. I don't know why. It just can't. Just, just happens. And the reason I don't want to go to the doctor is because I don't want to hear what he has to say because it'll always be bad news. And it's kind of like that going to God.
Because when I go to God, I am just not automatically flooded with joy and peace and all the things I want. It's kind of God is kind of a doctor, and he's, he slaps the old spiritual stethoscope up and listens to my heart and says, huh, kind of weak. And then he puts me on the x-ray and says, oh, there's a lot of junk in there. We need to operate. And, and before I can even make an appointment to come back, he just starts slicing and dicing and starts revealing all this stuff in me that I don't want to think about. And for me to seek God continually requires that I face the truth that he wants to show me about myself because that's what's destroying me inside. And that's why it's easy to think I don't have time for God. Um, I, I, there's just too many interruptions to spend time with God. There's, we'll find all kinds of reasons to not pray or study of our Bible because something in us resists God, flees from God. And so what kind of person keeps walking with God for 300 years? Well, the second thing we learn about Enoch is that Enoch walked with God by faith. Look at Hebrews 11 again. Can we go to the next one, please? Thank you. By faith, Enoch was taken up so he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. How did Enoch walk with God? By faith. Why do I need to have faith to walk with God and to keep walking with God? Well, verse 6 tells us, verse 6 is a verse that's familiar to a lot of people, but often we don't realize it is a, it's a verse about Enoch. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because he who comes to God must, underline that in your mind, he who comes to God must believe that he is and is, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He who comes to God is a translation of a phrase, the coming one to God, or the one whose life is characterized by coming to God time after time after time after time, just like Enoch. What pleases God is coming to God. And to keep on coming to God, I must believe two things. I must believe that God is. And I must believe that there's something in it for me. See that? Now, obviously, you're not going to seek a God you don't believe in. But believing that God is, is more than simply believing in some general concept that there's a God. It's believing that God is as the Bible reveals himself to be. Most of us have no problem believing in some higher power, some indefinite, transcendent Force, but we have the battle of our life believing that God is the God the Bible reveals him to be. Isn't that true? In fact, all my problems as a Christian come down that I don't really believe what the Bible tells me about God. 
If, if I believe that God is in the control of everything that the Bible says he is, and that God intends all things for my good because he loves me with a love that cannot be increased, would I ever be afraid? Would I ever be angry? If, if I believe that no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly, would I ever covet what somebody else has that I don't? See, all my, all my problems in walking with God come down to unbelief. I don't really believe in the God the Bible reveals. That's why to keep coming to God, I must believe that God is the God of the Bible. The God. There is no more satisfying, beautiful, attractive personality in the universe than the God of the Bible. And so if I'm not seeking him, it's because I really don't believe in him. If I told you this morning, you know, up here, I have a bunch of envelopes up here, and, and there is, your name is on one of them, and in it there's a cashier's check for $1 million. You would not wait till the end of the sermon to come up here, would you? Unless, unless you don't need a million dollars. Or you don't believe me, right? And so if I'm not seeking God daily for the wisdom I need and the strength I need and the guidance I need and the joy that I need and the peace that I need, it's because I don't really believe in the God of the Bible. He who keeps coming to God like Enoch and thereby pleases God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, the first time I, I, I got to tell you the story because it's an old story and you've probably heard it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, when I first read that verse and understood what it was saying, I, I thought, that can't be right. That can't be right. I, I was at Lake Tahoe leading a, a student outreach project and uh, it's a beautiful environment, great people to work with. And I was thinking of, you know, turn, pushing in my ships. I was just tired. I had been serving God for uh, several years, and I was just worn out. And for the first time in my life, I started thinking, are you going to make it? Are you going to finish the race? I, I'm, I'm weary. And so I read that verse, and it, and it just hit me. You must believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him? Isn't that kind of selfish? Isn't that kind of mercenary? Isn't that kind of prosperity gospelish? Uh, the Bible couldn't. The, the writer here must have made a mistake. So I, I started to read through the Bible, and I found that the Bible never says, "Do this because it's the right thing to do." The Bible never says, "Do this because God said so." The Bible always says, "Do this because you will be rewarded." There's only one unconditional lover in the universe. Who's that? God. It's not you. We have to have reasons to love. We love because God first loved us. Right? And so the more I realize how much God loves me, the more I realize how the rewards of walking with God the more motivated I am to walk with him. 
Remember what Jesus said? He said, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Why? Well, because suffering is good for you. Isn't that what he said? I want to test your faith. Is that what he said? No. What did he say? Because everyone who saves his life will lose it, but who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus says, whoever leaves house, children, farm, mothers, fathers, wives, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much in this life and, and in the next life, eternal life. If you were driving up my street one day and you saw me washing my neighbor's car, you would say, boy, you're a good neighbor. And I'd say, nah, not really. He pays me $100 to wash his car. And you'd say, what a great neighbor. Is there any way I can get in on this? And that's what people should see when they see Christians, not how sacrificial and committed we are. No, we just get a better deal with God. And that's why we follow him, because it's to our best interests. Now, what's the difference between that and the prosperity gospel? The prosperity gospel says God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. If you follow him, he'll make you rich. He'll give you that BMW. Um, the difference between the prosperity gospel, which treats God as a genie to give you everything you want. And by the way, how has things gone with you when you got what you wanted? Not real well. I'm, all the stories about genies end badly, if you ever noticed that. The difference between that is, is you get to determine what you want, what you get in the prosperity gospel. In the true gospel, God determines what you get. And he's the one who determines the reward, and his rewards are so much better than anything we can come up with. But don't neglect the reward. If you're having trouble obeying God, go to your Bible and look at the rewards for following him in this area and, and what happens when you don't follow him in, in the area, and it will give you such a solid faith that that's what I do. Whenever I'm struggling with some sin, when I always struggle with sin, but I've just taken them one at a time and just struggling with lust. Well, I go to all the verses on lust, and here's why it's to my benefit to be pure. Okay, I'm convinced. I want that. Struggling with wasting time, procrastination. Here's all, the, here's all the rewards God gives to people who are diligent. I've been working through fear for the last year. I don't want to be afraid of anything, so I've been memorizing verses on fear and the rewards God gives to people who fear him more than fear anything else. And it's been life-changing. He who comes to God must believe that God is and he's a rewarder. If, if I'm not walking with God, it's because I don't believe. Does that make sense? So, how do you cure that? Read your Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So by reading your Bible, it will build your faith and your knowledge on who God is and the rewards of following him, and you will find yourself following him more and more. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God by faith, and Enoch walked with God by faith for 300 years. 
And that is especially relevant to the Hebrews because the theme of Hebrews is that real faith lasts. That the life of faith is an endurance race. It's a marathon. And in a marathon, it doesn't matter who's first out of the blocks. What matters is who finishes the race. Isn't that right? And if you've been a Christian for any time at all, you have seen people who started out very well, who grew cold in their faith, who fell to the wayside, who are no longer walking with the Lord. That's why Jesus says, he who endures to the end will be saved. It's not the endurance that saves you. All the endurance says is your faith is real. Because like Enoch, you keep walking with God. Here's one thing I've noticed, and I'll end with this. I've seen a lot of people start well and end poorly as Christians. But the one common characteristic in every Christian I've seen who's still walking with the Lord year after year after year is they meet with the Lord every day. There's a consistency in getting together with God because they know they are incapable of living the Christian life on their own. Jesus said it so well. He told his disciples, keep watching and praying so that you may not enter into temptation. Spirit is willing. Your intentions are good. But the flesh is weak. And the flesh will always fold and betray you in the moment of truth. The only way to have the strength to keep on going is stay close to God. If you've ever been camping on a cold night, you notice that you know you found that to stay warm, you got to stay close to the fire. Have you noticed that? That if you get too far from the fire, you get cold because your body is incapable of generating the warmth it needs by itself. You need the warmth of the fire. The reason there is is life on the earth is because we keep orbiting around the sun. Now, if the earth decided it wanted to take its own course and and leave its orbit, what would happen to life? Life would cease because we need the sun. Well, we are created to orbit around God. As long as we're spending time with him regularly, our life is focused on him, we find we have wisdom We have strength, we have joy, we have peace, we have all the things we need to keep walking with him. But when I begin to neglect my time with him, my faith gets cold and God feels distant. And I begin to rely on myself rather than God and that never ends well. I became a Christian and it was a struggle, but I became convinced that I could not be what I really felt I wanted to be by myself. I needed strength. I needed power. I needed motivation. I needed wisdom. I, I was inadequate in myself. And that's what keeps me coming back time after time after time is because I need him. 
I need his strength. And that's what pleases him. That's the story of Enoch. You will never be a Moses. Well, you may be. I don't know. But the odds are that not many Moses in this room, right? Or a Paul or a Peter or you pick your famous Christian. That doesn't matter because we can all be an Enoch. And that's what pleases God is staying close to him and walking with him. I want to close with a silent prayer of commitment, and I would like to invite you to commit yourself. Just tell God, God, I'm not going to miss a day. Even if it's just reading a verse, even if it's a short prayer, I'm not going to miss another day spending time with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Lord, you're the source of all that we need. Help us to stay close to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one of my favorite hymns, Be Thou My Vision, and I'd like to invite you as you sing this to make it a prayer. This was an ancient Irish hymn, and uh, it's, it says everything that I tried to say so much better. So let's sing together.